for being here this morning. If you're new, thank you so much for joining us today. Today's kind of a different day as we were saying. All staff, students, they're all gone, and yet we still have a pretty full house today. So last year at this time, there's a few of us here, and you know who you were. It was a good time. I played drums last year, okay? I was sweating, came out, and I'm like, oh, Lord, Lord, help me. Oh, God. You know, that's just church planting, though, right? You just try to do everything, but, but we're, our church is growing. We are adding people to the dream team. It's just been a really cool year to where now it really wasn't a big deal to have the students gone, but obviously uh, Crosspoint Church helped us out big time. So thank you, Crosspoint Worship Team. Can we give them a round of applause for leading us today? Awesome. All right, so we are going to continue our prayer series this morning. It's called Pray because I'm not very creative. So there you go. Matthew chapter 6, go to verse 5. We're going to be in verse 5 through 9. And last week we talked about how in an age of anxiety, right, we're living in a pretty anxious age, we're called to not embrace that anxiety, but instead to pray and to take everything that concerns us, everything that's on our mind, and put it at the feet of Jesus and ask him to move in those situations. We don't need to sort out what's worth praying about and what's not, but instead, God just wants us to bring everything on our hearts to him in prayer. And now, over the next two weeks, we're going to dive in a little bit deeper into what prayer looks like. I, I really feel like biblically you can kind of break prayer out into two types of prayer. There's obviously more subcategories, but, but there's really two main types. One is prayer as communion with God or as connecting with the Lord. It's just building your intimacy with him. It's leaning into him in relationship. It's just being with him. And then the second shape of prayer is more of the intercession or petition side where you're, you're praying for God to move in situations. You're praying your prayer list. You're contending is the word I like to use for God to move in the world. So for this week, we're gonna look at connecting with God. We're gonna look at communing with him. And then next week, we'll look at contending with God to do something in the world. So let's look at Matthew chapter six, verse five through nine. Jesus says this, and when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. And truly I say to you that they have received their reward, but instead when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees you or sees in secret is going to reward you. Sorry, I'm putting my timer on so I don't go all day. And when you pray, it's on my phone, and when you pray, do not heap up empty praises as the gent empty phrases, not praises, as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this, this is the Lord's Prayer, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And we'll look at the rest of that some other time, but we're just gonna look at that part today. So the sermon title is Pray to Connect. Pray to Connect. All right, let's pray over this prayer sermon, and then we'll jump in. So Lord, right now we come to you and we pray about a sermon on prayer. God, we ask you to speak. We pray that your voice would be the loudest voice in this room. Holy Spirit, I ask you to help me to get out of the way and to just be used by you in this moment. God, give me the words to say, and I pray that every heart would be receptive to hear what you wanna say. Holy Spirit, we don't wanna do our own thing. Instead, we wanna hear from you this morning. So we invite you to have your way in this place and give us a supernatural hunger for prayer. Just like we're hungry for food, God, give us a hunger for prayer. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, so when I was a freshman at UNI, I met my now wife, Emily, during the first week of classes. It was actually at the first Chi Alpha service of the year. If you don't know what Chi Alpha is, I've talked about it. It's the campus ministry that our church is connected with. And 
Anyways, I met Emily at that first service, and the first thought that popped into my mind, I kid you not, was, wow, she is beautiful inside and out. I just could, it was almost like the Lord gave me like these eyes to see her heart. I was compelled by what I perceived to be an inner beauty just by a tiny conversation. And then the second thought I had was, I wonder if this girl is going to be my wife. And I had that thought about a lot of people in that season, so that doesn't mean a whole lot. But... It wasn't until the second week of classes that I got to have a substantial conversation with her. We went to Buffalo Wild Wings after the Kyle service, and she was supposed to sit by someone else. I took his spot on purpose, and we sat next to each other and had a conversation. I think I have a picture, I think. There we go. So there's a first picture ever taken of us, and I remember it was so easy to talk to her. It was like it was a long-lost best friend. We just instantly connected. I had never experienced that with any other uh, or female besides my mama, but, but it was obvious to our friends that, that there was a connection taking place, which is why they took the picture of us. I knew that Emily, like even in that first conversation, I knew that she was a safe person. She's a very safe person. If you ever need someone to talk to, talk to Emily. She is just so safe, and you can trust her. She had this beauty and this uh, trustworthiness that helped me to be able to be myself and just share with her, share what was on my heart, show her my music, as you can see, things just clicked with her. And having this type of connection with someone who gets me and is genuine, or genuinely for me and has a sweet heart has just made me a better person. I'm grateful that for the, last, for the last 11 years now, I've had her as a companion. And when we get these types of connections, they just do wonders for our, our souls. We need these types of people in our lives. We need the type of people who we don't need to impress the people we don't need to perform around. In our hearts, we long for people like this. We long for people who we can be real and honest with, but at the same time, people who love us no matter what we do. Right? They know everything about us, but they still love us. And the amazing thing is we can each have a connection like this, and this is with a person who is far better than any human being. This person has a perfect heart, a perfect heart. He is trustworthy, He's a safe place. An ancient king once called him his hiding place. And this person doesn't only have a perfect heart, but he has infinite power. At the dawn of creation, he spoke the cosmos into existence, and he hung the stars in place. And to this day, he oversees all the affairs of the world, and he holds the universe together. This person is the most wonderful person in the universe, and we can have a relationship with him right here and right now. We can connect with the most wonderful person in the universe. And this is why we pray. We pray to connect with this person. And Jesus refers to him in our passage this morning as our Father in heaven. Our Father in heaven. This is why we pray is to connect with him. And, that, and despite the simple and profound reason for prayer, we often pray for some really strange reasons. And Jesus points out some of those in our passage today. In verse five, he says, and when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners that they may be seen by others. So for some of us, we pray to be seen by other people. Sometimes we pray more with an eye on the people around us than on the one who we're supposed to be talking to. We pray more because we want to appear spiritual to others than we do to actually connect with the one we're praying to. And we pray more for show than for actual connection. Okay, so that's the first strange reason we pray. 
In verse seven, Jesus gives us another. He says, and when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Okay, so the Gentiles, the non-Jews, they thought that their quantity of words could get the gods to listen to their prayers. They viewed their deities as these distant beings who weren't very interested in their lives. So they thought that they needed to impress them and get them to listen. So in the same way, sometimes we pray to get the attention of a disinterested deity. And for many of us, prayer is a way to get the big guy upstairs, the big guy upstairs to, I used to say that all the time in high school, to pay attention to us. And we picture God as an aloof or an absent father, and we think our prayers are a way to get him to notice us. It's like children who try to get their dad's attention, but he's too busy reading the newspaper or looking at his phone. And when he does finally or finally look up from his phone, we just want him to give us something. And we view him who, as someone who is just there to get us out of tough spots or to give us our desires. Okay, so that's the third weird reason we pray. We pray to get something from a divine genie or vending machine, whatever you want to say, but we'll go with genie. When we don't get what we want, we pout because that's why he exists in the first place, to give us all of our desires. Like That's the whole point of his existence is to serve our needs. And we view him as a wealthy parent who we come to for money so we can go do our own thing. And these are all the wrong reasons to pray. And Jesus offers us a much better reason. He says this in verse 6. He says, but, but when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who's in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. Okay, so Jesus, he says, don't pray to be seen by other people. Don't pray to appear spiritual. Don't pray to get the attention of a disinterested parent. Don't pray to get something from a divine genie. Instead, pray to connect with your heavenly father. That's why you pray, is to connect with the person. Jesus, he invites us to go into the secret place and connect with our father in heaven. To Jesus, prayer is not some obligation. Instead, it's an invitation to divine intimacy with the one who created everything. It's not an attempt to put on a show for others. It's not an attempt to get God to notice us. Instead, prayer is a beautiful encounter. It's a connection that can be deeper than any connection in this world. And when we pray, we should pray for an audience of one. We should pray with an understanding that the one we're talking to is the living God who loves us like no other does. And part of the reason so many of us, I think, struggle with prayer is we don't really know what our father's like. We have like really weird misconceptions about what he's like. Pete Gregg says this in his book on prayer. He says, after more than 25 years in pastoral ministry, 20 of them teaching on prayer, I've come to the conclusion that for most people, their biggest problem with prayer is God. Okay, they envision him scowling, perpetually disapproving, invariably disappointed in needing to be placated or persuaded in prayer. If that's how you picture God, I really don't blame you for not wanting to pray or, to, or for trying to avoid his gaze. Okay, simply put, for most of us, we don't pray because we have a wrong view of God. We don't really know who he is. We don't actually view him as there for some of us. We think we're talking to the air, or we're just like talking to ourselves, or we view him as an absent father or as a genie in the bottle. And Jesus, he invites us to view God correctly. In the short passage, he tells us some profound things about who God is. So first, in, in verse six, he tells us that he sees us in the secret place. He tells us that our Heavenly Father, he sees all of us. He sees everything about us. 
Even when you're in your room all alone, he can see you. He sees you at your best. He sees you at your worst. He knows every single thing about you, every single thought you've ever had, every hair on your head. He knows you better than you know yourself. And and not just that, but in verse eight, Jesus tells us that our Father knows what we need before we even come to him. He knows what we need. We don't have to make him aware of it. He already knows. So when you go to prayer, you're not telling him something he doesn't already know. He knows all Even if you don't have the words to say, he already knows what you're trying to pray about, right? That gives us a little bit of grace when we're praying and don't have the words. He knows what you're trying to pray about. In Romans 8, he even tells us that his Holy Spirit, so the triune God, the Holy Spirit, he he intercedes for us when we don't have the words. It says this in Romans 8, 26. It says, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself, God himself, intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. As we come before God and try to find the words to pray, his spirit is praying on our behalf. The Holy Spirit prays for you night and day. Our Father, he sees all of us, and he knows what we need before we ask him. Jesus says we don't have to say a certain amount of words to get his attention, and babbling is not the way to his heart. And there's actually nothing we can do to impress our Father. Do you know that? There's nothing you can do to impress God. There's nothing. He's not waiting for you to perform. Our Heavenly Father, he's not waiting to be impressed, right? Your beautiful words, they mean nothing, right? If you're like, oh, Holy Spirit of God, come and flood this place. It doesn't do anything for him. He's not like, wow, wow, you're really like, you're on it today. Those words, man, they're just getting my heart. Okay, I'll answer your prayer today because you had some Christianese this morning, all right? So in fact, though, it's impossible for us to impress God. We can't woo him with our behavior. We can't, or we can't woo him with our religious action. Just as a child can't, or can't get the earthly, or a good earthly father to love them, we can't get God to love us because he already loves us unconditionally and infinitely. If we've been made right with him through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, he is eager to draw near to us and he can hear us. We don't need to twist his arm. In fact, Jesus says this, and there says this a chapter later in Matthew 7, in verse 11. He says, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who's in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Instead of waiting for us to impress him, he's eagerly waiting to give you good things. It's part of his very heart to want to do good to you. Our Heavenly Father, he wants to bless us. Every good parent wants to bless their kids. Our Father in heaven is no different. So back in December, some, or not back in December, some of you were at our Christmas movie night here at the church. I think we watched, I keep wanting to call it Panda Express. It's Polar Express. Okay, it keeps coming to my head, Panda Express. Okay, Polar Express. We watched Polar Express here. And I sadly didn't get to go because I was sick, but I heard great things about it. And, and one thing that was really cool is we had a train table. You show a picture, there's a train table there with like little... Trains, yeah, that's what train table is. But anyways, so Abram, he just loved it, supposedly. I wasn't here, but, but he just was there the whole time saying, choo-choo, choo-choo, just playing with the trains the entire time. And after hearing about how much he loved the train table, we just had to get him one of his own for Christmas. You know, uh, the people in the church that actually brought the trains, they let us keep them, which is really nice of them. And then we got him the table, and you And you better believe watching him get that table brought us probably more joy than it brought him, right? Because we want to give him good things. We gave Jane a bike 
on Christmas as well. And I'll tell you, Christmas Eve service, I was so tired afterwards, that bike did not get all the way set up. Like, the handlebars were hanging off. I'm like, here's your bike. You know, I'll set it up sometime this summer. But anyways, I I wasn't going to share that. It It was a proud dad moment for me. I can't get your bike together before Christmas. Anyways, but back to the point of what I'm, back to my point. Good parents love to bless their kids. Okay, this doesn't mean they give them every single thing they want, but they but they give them things that are good for them and things that are a genuine blessing. Sometimes we think things will be a blessing that aren't, right? But our Father in heaven knows what will bless us and he loves to bless us. Okay, so with that in mind, our Heavenly Father, he sees all of us. He sees both the good and the bad. He knows what we need. He's not waiting to be impressed and he loves to bless us even though we're sinful and we rebelled against him. And we just got this from Matthew 6 and 7, right? The whole of scripture only amplifies his goodness and beauty. Our Heavenly Father is beautiful. He's beautiful. When people walk away from Jesus, often, you know, sometimes people will be part of the church family, they walk away from Jesus. Something I always say to Emily is, I just can't believe they would walk away from someone so beautiful. He is so beautiful. He's the most wonderful person in the universe, the most wonderful being who's ever lived. He is truly wonderful in all his ways. In Psalm 145, the psalmist said this. He said, great is the Lord and greatly to be praised and his greatness is unsearchable. Our Heavenly Father, he is the most wonderful person in the universe. And there's no one on heaven or on earth who's better than our Father. And the incredible thing is, is he wants relationship with us. This beautiful, wonderful Above it all, God, he wants relationship with us. He wants relationship with you. He wants to hear what's on your heart. He wants to draw close to you. The one who spun the cosmos into existence, the one who came and died for the sins of the world, the one who is marvelous and matchless in all his ways, he wants relationship with you. Okay, so maybe you're here this morning and you say, I get what you're saying, Pastor Daniel, but, but I've screwed up or... Or God doesn't want relationship with me. So, or for maybe some of you this morning, you're thinking, okay, God doesn't want relationship with you because you're not lovable or you're not interesting. You just don't view yourself as a very lovable person or an interesting person. Maybe you grew up with siblings who outshone you. You're always kind of like in their shadow. Or maybe you had a parent who ran out on you. Or maybe you've never excelled at anything particularly. Or maybe you just think you're a boring person. Or you think you're too ordinary for God to want relationship with. Okay, the scriptures, they tell us a different story. Like They tell us that each of us were created in God's very image. They tell us that God intimately knits you together in your mother's womb. And they tell us that there has never been and there never will be another you. And they tell us that you were created with intention and purpose. In Psalm 139, David said this. He said, for you form my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and and wonderfully made, and wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. Okay, so for some of you, you don't think you're lovable, but God says you are. God says you are interesting, and he wants relationship with you. But for others of you, you think that you have fallen too far. Maybe you say, okay, I know I'm interesting. I got some cool stuff about me, but I have messed up too much. I have struggled too much. I have sinned too much. And the reality is, yes, our sin has separated us from God. We're born cut off from relationship with God. Our sins should send us to hell. That's the reality. But God, in his grace, sent his only son, Jesus Christ, to make us right with him. 
He sent Jesus to die for our sins so that we wouldn't have to. It says this in Isaiah 53. This is written 700 years before Jesus was born. It says, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. Can I get an amen to somebody this morning? Come on, that's a good word. With his wounds, by Jesus' stripes, we are healed. Jesus, he took all of our sins on himself. He was crushed for our sake just so we could have peace with God. He did all this so we could have relationship with him. He wants relationship with you. He's done everything he needs to do to have that relationship. The most beautiful, loving, wonderful, holy person in the universe wants to walk in intimacy with you. If this is true, then I think we should be hungry to draw near to him. We should be willing to do whatever it takes to get into his presence. Some of us are struggling in our faith because we don't find God beautiful enough. He is beautiful, he's wonderful in all his ways. If we really know that, we'll do whatever it takes to get in his presence. He's better than anything this world could ever offer you. His love is better than life. If that's true, it should create a hunger in our hearts to draw near to him. Okay, the question this morning is not if he wants relationship with you, the question is do you want relationship with him? Do you actually want to know him? Do you actually want to turn from the things of the world and run towards him? Do you want to let him be the Lord of your life? Do you want to know him in his perfect heart? And not just in your mind, but in your heart, like a friend knows another. Okay, many people don't. John 1.11 says this. It says that Jesus came to his own and his own people did not receive him. Many people do not want relationship with God. That's the reality. They would rather just do their own thing. But if you do want relationship with God, there's really like two steps. The first step is to trust in what Jesus has done for you, simply. It's all you gotta do to be forgiven of your sins and to be made, or to be made right with God is accept what Jesus has done. It's to repent of your sins, repent of being a crummy master of your own life and say, Jesus, I'm gonna make you Lord of my life. I'm gonna trust in you. Okay, that's the first thing. You receive his love and forgiveness. It says this in John 1, 12. It says, but to, so right after verse 11, so 11 then 12, it says, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Here's the reality. If you don't have Jesus, you are not a child of God. You are cut off from him. But if you have Jesus, he makes you a child of God. If you trust in what he's done, if you believe in his name, he gives you the right to become a child of God. But it doesn't stop there. It doesn't stop at salvation. I think for many of us, we just make it about salvation. We stop there. It doesn't stop with just becoming a son or daughter of God positionally. The, the next step is to actually walk with him in relationship. It's to lean into him. It's to go on a journey of intimacy. Jesus didn't just come to die to get you out of hell. He came because he wants relationship with you. He wants to get you into God's presence now. He wants to restore what was lost in Genesis 3. Before Genesis 3, God would walk with Adam and Eve in the garden. He wants to to restore that intimacy. He wants to bring you into God's presence. Okay, so for many of us, we wonder how do we step into God's presence? How do we connect with him? We wonder how to do this. And it's simple. The way to God's presence is prayer. It's prayer. Right? The way to connection with God is prayer. We have to lean in. We have to talk to him. We have to listen to him. We have to wait in his presence. Some of us don't like to wait. We're like, God, I gave you 20 seconds. Where are you? And we have to wait in his presence. If you truly want to connect with your father, you got to pray. 
okay, yes, do all the other spiritual disciplines, do the Bible reading and fasting and giving and all those other things, but, but prayer should characterize everything you do. Okay, so Dr. Richard Foster, he said this, he said, prayer, I quoted this last week too, if you're wondering, prayer catapults us onto the frontier of the spiritual life. Of all the spiritual disciplines, prayer is the most central because it ushers us into perpetual communion with the Father. If you want relationship with God, if you want connection, if you want intimacy and communion, you've got to pray. Prayer ushers us into communion with the Father. If you're wondering how to pray, that's why Jesus gave us the Lord's Prayer. It's in Matthew 6, 9 through 13. We're just gonna look at nine. But he gives us a great blueprint on how to pray. You don't have to pray it in those exact words, but, but he gives you the heart of what you should pray for. And I just wanna look at verse nine. It says this. It says, pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Okay, so this is really important. Jesus was intentional about how he started this prayer. He starts it with our Father. Okay, that's the first thing. When you go to prayer, you start our Father or my Father, whatever you want to say in that moment. If you're gonna pray correctly, you have to know who you're praying to, like I talked about earlier. Or God is our Father. And this would have been shocking to the disciples to address God in this way. They would have been surprised by this. The scriptures occasionally compare God to a father, but they never instructed people to address him in this way. Okay, Pete Gregg again says this. He says that Jesus was inviting his disciples to step into a level of intimacy with God that they had never imagined possible. Okay, so when we pray, we must view God as a loving father who runs after us and wants what is best for us. And the more we come to understand him as father, the deeper intimacy we'll be able to have with him. That's why we have to start with that. Okay, so with that in mind, when we go to pray, we have to remember that prayer is an invitation to intimacy. Okay, so just as Emily and I, we connected on a deep level on that night at B-dubs all those years ago, Jesus wants that kind of relationship with us. He wants us to feel safe and feel loved in his presence. He wants us to be able to be honest with him and share what's on our hearts without fear of judgment. He wants us to truly get that he's done everything he needed to do to make us right with him and to give us a sense of freedom in his presence. He wants us to view him as our hiding place, just as King David viewed him in that way. Prayer is not just meant to be a time where you name off all your needs. You got a prayer that's like, boom, 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 there it is. It's a doorway to intimacy with the living God. That's what prayer is. It's a doorway to intimacy with the God who created everything. But prayer is not just an invitation to intimacy. It's also an invitation to worship. He says this again in verse 9, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. In heaven, hallowed be your name. Okay, when we come to God in prayer, we have to remember that he is in heaven. Okay, when we go to pray, we should remember that the one we're talking to isn't just the most loving person in the universe. He's the most powerful. He's the holiest. He's the great I am, the God of the heavens and the earth. In Leon Morris's commentary on Matthew, he says this. He says, we address God intimately as father, but then we immediately recognize his infinite greatness with the addition in heaven. As we marvel on his greatness, we should be driven to worship and adoration. Prayer is an invitation to worship. Prayer shouldn't just be a time where you vent or tell God what you need. It shouldn't even just be a time where you share what's on your heart. It should also be a time where you marvel at God. It should be a time of worship It should be a time of adoring him for all he is. We should thank him for what he's done. Okay, so just as we worship him in song, 
Prayer should be a time of worship with our prayers. It should be a time of, of declaring who he is. And there should be a time where we're filled with awe and wonder and reverence and gratitude at who he is and what he's done for us. There should be times of sheer silence in his presence as we are just blown away that this God would want to talk to us and be with us. Prayer should be a time where we are undone by his love and his power and his holiness. I think about Isaiah when he was in God's presence. Oh, depart from me, for I'm a sinful man. Depart from me. I don't deserve to be in your presence. As we pray, hallowed be your name, we should pray uh, that the whole world would revere God and, and, and proclaim him as holy. We should pray that his name would be declared throughout the earth. We should pray that the whole world would fall to its knees in this God's presence. And we should be simply blown away that Jesus has done what it took to get us to this point where we can talk to him at all. We shouldn't be apathetic in his presence, but instead we should be driven to awe and wonder. Although God is incredibly near to us, he's also incredibly incredibly other, right? He's other, he's different, he, he's way up there, he, he's so different from us. And we can't even fathom all that he is. We, we could never do it, we could never fathom all that he is. This should mess with us in prayer. It should wake up our souls and push us to worship. Okay, with all this in mind, before you ever ask God for anything, which we're gonna talk about, or talk about next week, we should connect with him in intimacy and worship as we think about the fact that he's our father, in heaven. Okay, so the main idea this morning is this. Prayer is an invitation to connect with the most wonderful person, the most wonderful person in the universe. I keep wanting to sing a hymn or something. Like, I don't even know, I'm not sure which hymn, but something about him being matchless, something about him being wonderful. <laughs> uh, the most wonderful person in the universe in intimacy and worship. Prayer is an invitation to communion with God. If prayer was simply a time to be seen by other people, like, look at me, I'm holy. If it was a time to try to get God to notice us, to get some disinterested deity to notice us, or if it was a time to just get something from a genie in a bottle, then prayer would be really boring. But if prayer is an invitation to connect with the living God who is so near to us that, that we can call him Father, and yet so, or so powerful that Jesus instructs us to pray that his name would be hallowed or made holy, it becomes an adventure. It becomes beautiful. If we truly understand what we're doing, that we're connecting with the, or with the living God, it becomes beautiful and marvelous. It becomes something that's even better, way, way better than the connection that I have with Emily at B-Dubs, right? Way better than that. This past week of prayer and fasting has been such a great time of connecting with the Lord in prayer. I'm so grateful for this time every year. I, I personally need it. And honestly, this last week was super busy at the church. We had something every night of the week with leaders and things like that. It was just a crazy week. And, and I didn't have a lot of like moments alone, especially with three kids, right? Man, pray for me. Okay, Caleb, he's starting to move around. I'm like, you're supposed to stay in that seat, dog. You can't be moving. That's three children moving around now, yelling at me, come on. Anyways, <laughs> haven't had a lot of times alone, but I tell you, like the few times I have, so obviously the time, of, or time in the morning with the Lord's always there. I do that every day, but, but I'm talking about throughout the day. And there's been a few times this week where I just got alone where I was in the car and he just began to squeeze my heart. On Tuesday afternoon, so or for this time, I was in my office. I had a great day. I got to meet with some pastors around the Cedar Valley, met with pastors of Prairie Lakes and Canadale and Hope City. We've tried to do that like once a month. 
this great time and, and just got alone in my office with the Lord and just like joy began to erupt in my soul. It was, it was unexplainable. That doesn't happen all the time. I think the fasting has something to do with it, but, but just like this joy, I'm just like blasting worship music, just like singing and declaring who God is because I'm so grateful to be doing the things that he's called me to do, to be in the city with these people leading this church. I'm just like erupting with joy and worship in that moment. And then on Wednesday afternoon, I, I kind of had like an opposite type of moment. I was pulling it, or not quite an opposite, but just a different. I was pulling into the gym and I was listening to this song. Uh, it's, it's called it's called Miracle of the Mind by Amanda Cook. Great song. Anyways, listen to the song. And the Lord just spoke very clearly to me about a promise that he's given me for our children. It just reminded me of the promise, made it very, very clear, and I can't even explain all the ways he made it clear, but just made it clear to me that he was giving me a promise for our children. And it was just a moment of quiet stillness before God and just being in awe of his promises and that he's so near to me. So on Tuesday, it's this time of worship and declaring who God is. On Wednesday, it's this time of closeness, nearness. God is speaking directly to me. And then on Saturday, I felt like yesterday, I felt like the Lord wanted me to, uh, to go out to the Hartman Nature Reserve. I love going out there, so maybe it's just me. But on Friday night, I got this little vision of going out there. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna go out there. So I went out there Saturday around sunset. And I'm like expecting God to just show up and move in power. And it was cool, you know, no one was out there. It's cold, but uh but nothing crazy happened. I'm like, okay, maybe that's just me getting excited about being alone because I have three crazy kids. But uh, on the way back, and this might sound really silly to you, but on the way back, I'm walking back in my car. I park my car quite a ways away so I can kind of walk through the neighborhoods. I love neighborhoods. Anyways, I'm walking back, and I see nine deer in the woods. I'm just like, that's really cool. Nine deer, and they're all like staring at me. I'm staring at them. We're just having this moment, standoff, you know. <laughs> and, and I just, and I don't know if this was God, okay, but I just felt like the Lord was like, I just wanted you to come out here to to look at those deer with me. And I don't know if that was God, but that's the thought that popped in my head. And I share that to say that prayer doesn't always have to be profound. There doesn't always have to be tears. It doesn't have to be, you know, shouting in joy. Sometimes it's just a nice moment, right? Even if the deer weren't there, that was a nice time with the Lord, just being with them and sharing what's on my heart. Prayer sometimes is profound, sometimes it's not, but it's always an adventure as long as you're connecting with your Heavenly Father. I believe I know that your Father in Heaven wants to connect with you. He wants to connect with you. I don't care what you did this week. Like some of you are thinking, I'm pretty filthy. I, I messed up. Hey, me too, right? I messed up too, right? We all are, are sinful, right? And your sin doesn't surprise God. Your sin doesn't cause Him to turn His back on you. Like God knows everything you've done and He still loves you. He still sent Jesus. So some of you are thinking, ah, you know, I, I'm too sinful. Or, or some of you are thinking, I'm not interesting enough. But, but God, He created you in His image. He did everything it took to, uh, to make you right with him. And if you trust in Jesus Christ, you are perfect in his eyes. Just as we say, you are matchless and marvelous. He says the same thing about us because he's looking at Jesus. Whoa, the God of the heavens saying, I'm matchless, there's no one else like me, saying I'm perfect in his eyes. That messes with me because he sees his own son. God wants you to draw near to him. If I give you do one thing in this church, one thing, if I give you do one thing, it's to draw near to God in prayer. He wants to be close to you. He wants to hear what's on your heart. He wants to have your heart. He wants to give you joy. And the way to closeness, the way to connection, it's prayer. There ain't no other way. It's prayer. I know it seems boring at times, but I think if we can get a true biblical picture of it, it might be a little bit more exciting. Prayer is the way. Prayer is the way. Come on, prayer is the way. Prayer 
get hungry for today. Lord, I'm gonna pray right now. Is that okay? Because at this point, he's gotta do something. So let's pray. Lord, I pray that you would give us a supernatural hunger for prayer. Something that doesn't get mustered up by us, but, but something supernatural from you, Lord. God, I pray that you would give us a profound passion to be in your presence. When we're tired, when we're weary, instead of just going to bed or instead of just bedging out, we would want to pray and be with you. God, I pray that in 2023 that this would be a year where you capture our hearts with prayer. God, make us hungry to connect with you. Help us to long for intimacy with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, God.